Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, December 28, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Steve Hellwagon. Steve, just four days away from the Sugar Bowl college football playoff semifinal. The rematch, Ohio State against Clemson. Buckeyes now seven and a half point underdogs. Opened at six and a half. People are betting on the Tigers. Buckeyes now seven and a half point underdogs. What is your analysis of this matchup, Steve? Well, you know, we saw the game last year, and I thought Ohio State was very good in taking away a lot of what Clemson likes to do with uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence throwing the football and ATN, uh, Travis ATN running the football. Uh, they did a lot of good things defensively, but what where they got killed was with the quarterback run, obviously, Trevor Lawrence ripping off the long touchdown run, and then the screen game where he threw the ball to ATN submit. Uh, Travis ATN, I can't get that straight in my head, a couple times for big plays, and that's how they won the game, basically. So I think the question for uh, Kerry Combs and, and to a lesser extent Ryan Day, because he's going to defer to his defensive coaches, is are you prepared for everything Clemson can do? Because what they do, they do very well, and they have the ability to do a lot of different things very well. And I think that's a question against an Ohio State defense that's kind of been up and down this year. Um, played great in the first half of some games and then not so great in the second half of some games. I think the reverse was true probably in the Northwestern game. They gave up a long touchdown drive and a long field goal drive and then basically – gave Northwestern nothing in the second half. So that was a good reversal of fortune in that game. Ohio State hasn't played a full 60-minute game. I mean, maybe the Nebraska game, the first game, but Nebraska wasn't any good as it turned out. So uh, to me, I think that's a big challenge, whereas Clemson just absolutely uh, – well, it was 7-3, to three, I think, after one quarter against Notre Dame, and then they just blew them out uh, from there. So that was a pretty solid performance that Clemson had against a quality opponent. So I want to see what Ohio State does. Those are some of the questions I have going into this. Is, is Ohio State prepared for everything Clemson can do? And Clemson can do a lot of different things very well. And uh, is Ohio State ready to play a full 60-minute game? We just haven't seen it against a quality opponent yet. And uh, I think that's that's probably the two biggest things that I look at with this game. I don't think it's a, a completely unwinnable game for Ohio State. I don't think Clemson is uh, anywhere near as good as it was a year ago, particularly on defense. They're starting, uh, let's see, uh, four, five sophomores and two freshmen on defense. They are very young as I look across their uh, two deep. And yet uh, some of those young guys have come in and already made a name for themselves. Brian Brassi, uh, the defensive tackle, was one of the number, top prospects in the country last year uh, coming out as a freshman, and he's uh, jumped right in there. So any rate, I like, uh, I like the, uh, the chance for Ohio State to spring the upset, but still a lot of unanswered questions, I would say. Yeah, it's going to help Ohio State getting Chris Olave back also – Drew Crispin, we think, is coming back to punter, although I thought the backup punter, Zach Hoover, did a good job against Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game. But it'll still be good having the veteran Drew Crispin back for this one. Chris Olave coming back is absolutely huge. I mean, that obviously is the big one. Baron Browning, we assume all those guys that missed due to contact tracer, or whatever the case might have been, um, that uh, they will be back for this game thanks to the 17-day rule. So just speak on that. How much do you think that's going to help the Buckeyes getting Chris Olave and those guys back? 
Well, I think it was obvious in the Big Ten championship game that uh, Justin Fields was missing uh, his Chris Olave. I think that was uh, – they were trying to force the ball into Garrett Wilson. Other guys did not step up. Julian Fleming uh, had a couple, maybe four catches early in the game. Uh, not really heard from after that. And so I want to see, again, uh, you know, Olave, no ill effect, you would hope, uh, from – theoretically uh, having the virus and uh, how he's going to bounce back from that. Is he ready to go? And uh, to me, I think that's going to be critical uh, as Ohio state goes into this game. Um, You you know, uh, fields to be very honest, Dave is coming off his worst game as a Buckeye. And I know that uh, that's kind of, you have to qualify that. I mean, he never really had a bad game for Ohio state. When you think about it, 20 starts and uh, 19 wins and uh, played pretty good even in the game that they lost last year to Clemson. And although he did have, what, uh, two or three interceptions in that game? Two, yeah, two interceptions. So, um, yeah, I guess he didn't have a three-interception game until Indiana this year. So, um, you know, I want to see how he responds um, from uh, what was a tough game. I want to see how Ohio State uh, can establish the run. Uh, do they try to start with the run and establish the run and go from there? Just looking up some different uh, statistics, Ohio State's fifth nationally in uh, rushing offense, which I think that's that's something you have to lean on. Uh, going over to the other side, Clemson is ninth nationally in rushing defense now. What does that mean against the teams that they played? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. But uh, again, I think that's a matchup worth uh, looking at. Can Ohio State get to 200 yards rushing? That's kind of a magic number. If they get to 200 yards rushing, they ought to be able to win this game. But again, a lot of things factor in, you know, how's Ohio State's uh, defense going to do, as we touched on earlier about against Clemson's offense. But uh, yeah, having Chris Olave back is huge. Uh, You can't understate it. Uh, he made so many huge plays. Ohio State so top-heavy with receiving. I think uh, Wilson and Alave both over 20 catches. Nobody else has more than 10 on this team. And uh, to me, that kind of says it all right there. One thing that Justin Fields did not have in last year's game against Clemson was really his ability to run the ball. I mean, he, he could move, but that knee was bothering him a lot. Um, I think he's going to need to run the ball effectively for Ohio State to win this game. And obviously Trey Sermon's going to need to run the ball well. And Master Teague, you know, the running backs need to run well. But that's one thing they didn't really have last year was Justin Fields' ability to run the ball. How much do you think Ohio State – and they can't run him 20 times, I don't think. But how many? How much do you think Ohio State's going to rely on Justin Fields' legs in this game? I think quite a bit. And I think uh, it's two-part. One, to avoid the rush, which Clemson uh, brings these blitz pressures. And we saw – a lot of times fields under blitz uh, pressure would uh, kind of double out of it, you know, give him, give him that uh, backward spin and roll out of it. And uh, you know, sometimes that works and, and, and sometimes it didn't uh, for him. And uh, so uh, I think that uh, I think we tried it a couple times against Northwestern and could not escape. So I think uh, to me, it's how they pick up the blitz and uh, how he's able to uh, move in the pocket and escape the pocket and break contain. If he's able to break contain and pick up 15 yards, then that's huge and get a first down, maybe, maybe steal a first down or two here or there. That'd be huge for them. So 
I want to see again. Uh, it sounds like you know he's a hundred percent. There's no reason to expect why he wouldn't be able to run the ball if he can get them fifty yards rushing. Man, that's huge, and uh, that really helps you trying to get to that two hundred number. So to me, I I see what you're saying. Uh, I think that uh, Clemson's defense probably not quite as uh, athletic as it was last year again, with some younger guys and also some guys that just don't match up to the guys they had on defense last year. Uh, still, they've done a pretty good job up and down the line. The only team that, well, you know, they gave up 28 to Boston College, uh, 23 to Virginia. Early in the season, I think they gave up some points and some touchdowns that uh, that they've kind of uh, uh, worked a lot of that out. Now, they gave up 47 to Notre Dame in double overtime, but, uh, you know, that was kind of a unique uh, game, a unique situation. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I believe – I don't want to put it all on fields because he's got a whole team, offensive line and wide receivers and tight ends and a running back around him. Uh, but I don't think it's unfair to say this one's on him. He's going to have to really play his best football for Ohio State to pull this game out. If he's a little scattery and a little jittery and – doesn't play up to his full potential, then Ohio State's got a problem probably. This is an Ohio State team that's very talented. A lot of these guys are going to play in the NFL. I think the teams of Clemson and Ohio State match up very well talent-wise. When you listen to national analysts, you would think that this is like Clemson against Purdue or something. I don't know. It's just (laughs) Ohio State is a really good team, and they they know that they're a good team. I'm a big believer in the mental side of sports. Buckeyes are being told they don't belong in the playoff. Seven and a half point underdogs. No one's giving them a chance to win. I think that's going to fire them up. Now that's not going to be enough to win just them getting fired up. But I think their preparation is going to be off the charts. They've been Steve, as you know, big time favorites in every game this year. Ohio state has, this is the first time they've been an underdog. You have the revenge factor from last year. You have everybody telling them they don't belong there. I like the way that sets up for Ohio state. What's your take on that? Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Dabo Sweeney has taken kind of a, a curious tact here by ranking Ohio State, who he knew he was going to play when the games on Saturday were done, ranked him 11th and has been bogged down in this talk of why he he and doubles down on it and whatever. And, you know, if that's the hill you want to die on, I suppose that's that's fine. But, you know, back here in the real world, that's who you're playing. You know, it just didn't make any sense to me why he was needlessly jabbing them with the stick. And, you know, to me, as you said, human nature is such that, you know, you can put me down all you want, but after a while, I'm going to reach my breaking point. And I think with him, Ohio State certainly reached their breaking point. And I don't know, again, very curious strategy by him to give Ohio State all this material uh, about how they shouldn't have qualified for the playoff. Well, that's not for you to decide. You're just one participant. I know you've won two national championships, but you're not management yet. You know, you're, you're just a participant in this process. You're not guiding the process. And it really wasn't your decision. And I think uh, they've even heard some of his comments back in September when he praised the Big Ten for coming back and said it would be, uh, wouldn't be right to hold it against them if they didn't play X number of games or whatever. Well, by the nature of what happened, in case you hadn't heard, it was a pandemic. And 
by the nature of what happened, Ohio State had three games canceled that, that they would have played. They would have played nine games. And the other thing, Dave, that people lose in translation here is they weren't going to lose any of those other three games. They were going to beat Maryland by 20. They were going to beat Illinois by 30. And they were going to beat Michigan by at least 30. And so, you know, I know LSU upset Florida, so you can't take anything, you know, for granted, so to speak. But that was like a one in 100 shot that they hit. That wasn't going to happen to Ohio State, regardless of how spotty they had played first half, second half of games. They weren't losing to any of those three teams. So basically consider them to be 9-0. and They just didn't get to play three of the games. So, you know, I don't know, Dave. I'm, if they're not up and they're not ready for this game based off what happened last year and the same opponent, the same quarterback, the same setup basically, if they're not up and ready to play for this game, Ryan Day will never get them ready to play for any game they ever play under him. So that's kind of my thought. Last thing, I know you got to get out of here pretty soon, Steve, but last thing, I want to switch gears. This was big news yesterday. Adam Schefter reported that at least two NFL teams have reached out to Urban Meyer to gauge his interest in returning to coaching. And Schefter said, per sources, it's even gone as far as they want to know if Urban would accept the job. So this doesn't sound like some extreme long shot. Oh, he also reported per sources that Meyer is listening. He's taking it seriously. I don't know if Urban in the NFL would work. I know it would be must-see TV, though. <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, I'm paying closer attention to the Jacksonville Jaguars, that's for sure. Do you think this would happen if it did? How do you think Urban would do in the NFL? You know, that's a great question. Um, you know, he his style is a little bit gruff. Uh you know, but he likes to treat men like men. So I don't know. I'm kind of torn on that. I wonder about uh, his health, whether he could handle it. Of course, you don't have to recruit 52 weeks out of the year. So um, I don't know. I, I'm torn on that one. Uh, to me, it depends on whether or not he's able to survive a season uh, health-wise. Uh, I mean, it could be a case where he gets into it for a year and realizes this isn't, you know, college football, this isn't what I want because, you know, for him to lose one or two games a year is just a, a killer. And most NFL teams go seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven, you know, I mean, there's, it's a parody league. It's not where anyone goes in and goes 12 and four every year. So well, other than, than hoodie. So, you know, I, uh, I have a hard time seeing it. And again, I like Schefter. I think he, his hit rate's probably 65% on a lot of the stuff he, he puts out there, but he is guilty as much as any of these insiders is guilty of, uh, of putting some stuff, just throwing some stuff against the wall sometimes. So I don't know. I, I guess if he went to do it, he'd do a good job at it, but I just don't know if he's in it for the long haul to do that. Yeah, it's, I don't know if it would work. I mean, even Nick Saban was an 8-8 eight and eight coach. He was a 500 coaches over his two years with the Dolphins. And, you know, I don't know. I, I would like to see it, but I don't know if it would work. i tell you what works is Steve Hellwagon. Great stuff from Steve. Really appreciate it, Steve. I know you've got to go get tested so uh, for the big trip to New Orleans. I hope that goes well today. Thanks for getting up early with me, Steve. And thank you to all listeners out there for tuning into the show. Have a great day, Bucknutters. Nutters. 